Everyone has their own unique views and needs when it comes to financial success. If you'd like to leave your financial woes behind and live a life of financial freedom, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Saving with Steve show, hosted by Steve Sexton. The show will help you with the ins and outs of money. We talk about financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars and keeping you up at night. We talk about money, tax reduction, saving more, spending less, 401ks, risk management, retirement, and everything under the sun that relates to you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. Now, here is your host of Saving with Steve, Steve Sexton. Hello, welcome to the Saving with Steve show where we talk about the ins and outs of money, pretty much everything under the sun that relates to you having a healthier, happier relationship with money. My name is Steve Sexton. I wanna thank you for joining us today. I just can't say enough how appreciative I am. We have over 600,000 listeners here in the United States and over 50,000 listeners overseas, and we're continuing to grow. So check us out at savingwithsteve.us. But today we have a wonderful show, and the reality is we're talking about money. There's this wonderful new book by an author by the name of Magnus Carter. And that book, it's called Money for You, Mutual Fund Investing and a Budget for Beginners. We have a number of people that are listening to the show that might be parents, people in their 20s or 30s. If you're broke before payday, tired of always having to look at price tags, we have Magnus Carver here today. He teaches and gives the tools to readers and taxes of physical responsibility or fiscal responsibility to help them gain financial independence. So we're looking for that. After Magnus, we're going to be talking about some of the things that have been going on in the shopping, the online shopping world, which is the big increase in fraud. Now, over the last 12 months, almost 47% of identity fraud was classified as a sophisticated fraud. And that's a 57% increase from last year. We're seeing verified accounts of people not going after somebody's biometric data, but just falsifying documents and creating identity theft. Well, we have the vice president of fraud for Unified, which is Albert Rowe. He's going to be with us. He's going to go through it all, show you how to protect yourself so we can protect everybody's money. With that said, I want to introduce you to Magnus Carter. Magnus, welcome to the show. Good afternoon, Steve. Thank you for having me. That's right. You're in the East Coast. It's afternoon. <laughs> I'm out here in frigid California. And I know it's only like 45 degrees and that's not frigid where you're at, but hey, it's the way it goes. Now, Magnus, I really love people's stories and all of our, our listeners do as well. Now, my understanding is you started working at the age of 12 and you were a waiter working at a restaurant in New York City, 21 years old, and you got introduced to somebody who kind of opened up the doors and gave you the big aha moment. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Just like everybody else in New York City trying to make its way through, trying to find a way to make the next payment to your house, or, or actually trying to get enough money to buy a meal because of uh, how expensive it is. But constantly I was working at this diner and a lot of people kept coming in with you know the suits, the cars, they had the jewelry on, they had the family with them. And a couple of the regulars that came in on their lunch breaks and whatnot, I started talking with them, you know, a little hi here, a little there, you know, hello, how are you? And conversations started sprouting from that to find out that they were making their money in investing. They were still working their nine to five jobs and they were having their money make more money for them by just following the stock market, by investing in other companies, startup companies that were actually happening at the time. So I learned quite a bit 
little knowledge here and there, but it was like way over my head. Uh, there's so much you have to know on the back end before you actually take money out. And I, some of the chances I took didn't pay off so well, but I did learn along the way of what to do and what not to do with investing. I like the fact that you said some of the chances I take didn't work out that well. Because quite frankly, when you're learning, you make mistakes and just the way it is. And you learn from them, obviously. Oh, you learn a lot faster by the mistakes. By constantly learning a book or anything, it's what it's supposed to be. But once you go and actually make a mistake and figure out what happened and what made that mistake happen, you learn for next time. It's like, hey, wait a second here. This is sort of following this. So let's stay away from it. No, I think that's wonderful because too many people, they think they read a book and they think they know what they're doing and they actually don't. And as a result, they're in a bit of trouble. I think it's great because part of mastery is just learning, getting better and doing that. I think that's wonderful. So what prompted you to write the book? Go through that with us. What actually prompted me to write this book was a lot of people I've seen, friends, family, older siblings and whatnot, throughout the life stages and life cycle that we have, not everybody learned about how to use money properly. We were never taught the proper ways or the consequences of using money incorrectly or overspending or going into debt, opening credit cards, being housebroke by doing, you know, the mortgage and whatnot. And then you get it in over your head and you're trying to struggle to stay alive by working two, three, four jobs. What I took in this book and took the knowledge that I've gained and try to help people, like you were saying before, from people out of high school all the way up to their retirement years, this book can span everything. There's a little bit something in there for everybody in there from budgeting to actually taking accountability for your money actions starting today. So let's talk about, I'm 25 years old. I just got out of college. I've got my first job and I'm grinding it out. What's the first thing somebody should be doing to get prepared for their financial life? Because a lot of times, uh, I don't know if you're college educated, but in fact, I have two kids. One's just graduated as he's an electrical engineer. The only thing he knows about money is what he sees from me and my wife. The reality is if we passed away and he got a lump of money, he wouldn't know what the heck to do with it because he has no experience. And that's the case with most people. That said, what would be a great first step? A great first step is finding out how much you're spending, finding how much you are actually in debt for your college loans, like your son said, a car payment, credit cards, your subscriptions, your cell phone bill. You got to take accountability for all of the things that you're already putting money out for. And then you need to take accountability in what job you have and how much money you're actually making. Of course, you got to make that after taxes. You got to pay the government or they're not happy. So you got to make sure you keep them happy so you can keep working. Uh, and then you compare and contrast. You find out what your income to debt ratio, which means you know, you're comparing both, which is greater. If your debt's higher than your income, you got to find ways to start you know, chopping some things down, some things you can live without, some things you can actually go cheaper on. You need to also squirrel away some money for emergencies. People don't plan for emergencies as well. Like I said, taking the accountability aspect of it, but the more honest you are with yourself, with your spending, the more you'll get out of it and the more you can actually start having a better life later on, like even the next day. I love what you're saying there. You really talk about accountability. I meet with some people, they're getting ready for retirement and stuff like that. And I said, Hey, what are you spending? And they said, I don't know. And I've talked to people who 
don't pay attention to what they're spending because they've always had the money and they've always set aside stuff. And then when they retire, they don't realize that, hey, you're unemployed now. You got, you got to make your money work for you. And they're five years into retirement and they're realizing they didn't save enough money because they didn't really watch their spending and know what they were actually spending. They just thought, hey, we just keep spending this way because we've got enough and we should be able to take care of it. And five years down the road, they're looking at, okay, so how do I adjust my lifestyle uh, downward so I could retire? And that's not the way you want to do it. I love the fact about accountability because a lot of people will just look at their expenses and say, okay, I'm spending that. But the reality is if you take a look at it, you talk about find ways to do things cheaper. Mm-hmm. There's like a lot of cell phone companies and a lot of them are on the same networks, but they have different costs. One of the things that I talk about is like in debt reduction is, I mean, we were able to save 80 bucks a month on four cell phones. It was like, wow. Or you look at the cable bill. Hey, we got a cable bill plus streaming and internet and all that stuff mm-hmm. and cut out the cable bill and just do the streaming. Cause that's all you do. And you save another hundred bucks a month. Or like you worked in the restaurant industry. Uh, I found out that I was working with somebody who worked at a grocery store and they explained to me, Hey, Steve, check this out. You see this bag of salad? It's four bucks. Our family was using 10 of those uh, pretty much every other week. So that's $40. But we figured out that I can buy romaine lettuce, feta cheese, pecans, and dressing. And that's like 10 bucks. Quite frankly, I could just save myself another $60, $70 a month. So there's ways that people can do it. You just don't want to continue down that road and keep spending the same money. Exactly. Because you don't know if you're going to have the job tomorrow. That's one of the main things. And from seeing today and what we've been through the last year and a half, it's not always going to be there. The things you want that day or that you're accustomed to might not be on the shelves or they're going to be raised in prices. So like you're saying is do a little bit of work, a little bit of research on it. And, you know, it can be just the same or even better than what you were buying. That's wonderful. Hey, Magnus, we're going to take a quick break. Stick with us, folks. We're going to be right back with more Magnus Carter. More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on the Saving with Steve show. Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of the Saving with Steve show. We're going to be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're going to talk about money, tax reduction, saving more, spending less, your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving with Steve Show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on The Saving with Steve Show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us, savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's the Saving with Steve show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton. Hello, welcome back to the Saving with Steve show where we talk about the ins and outs of money, pretty much everything under the sun that relates to you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. Hey, by the way, all the replays are available at savingwithsteve.us. If you're enjoying the stories of helpful information, insight and saving with Steve, 
join us at our YouTube channel, Spotify channel, or Google Play channel, and check out a few of our affiliates at UK Health Radio, BBS Radio, and Talk Radio New York City. All these networks are dedicated to empowering you to solve problems, uplift your spirit, and live a life of personal and financial freedom. Again, if you want to join us, you can check us out on Facebook at Saving with Steve Sexton or go to savingwithsteve.us for replays. Now we're back with Magnus Carter. Now, Magnus, once you've created that emergency fund, mm-hmm. um, you got your budget and, and you're starting to make a little bit of money. How much did you start investing when you did? And how did you look at investing? How did people teach you how to invest? And how did you go about doing that? That is a wonderful thing. I do have to take an accountability. It's a couple of years ago compared to today, but the information will still transfer over to today's market. A lot of people that I've talked to throughout the years and whatnot said to go in the stock market. Stocks are the way to go. And you know, you can always bet on companies that are constantly being used and developing new, new technologies and things that people use on a daily basis. So that's what I basically invested in. But at the stock market, you're buying one stock at a time, and then your fees on top of that accrue, and then your brokerage accounts on top of that, and then you're taxing. And if that one company goes down, you lose a lot of money. So I started looking into mutual funds, which are a three, five, seven, whatever the mutual fund has, multiple companies that allow you to buy stock or invest into the multiple companies. And I found that was a lot better because if one of the companies in the mutual fund wasn't doing well, and two of them were, I'm still making money. Mm -hmm. It's not as much money as if I would have put it all into one stock, but I am still seeing an increment to the positive side, into the black. That's why I started with doing the stocks, doing stocks with options. And then I transferred pretty much a lot of it into the mutual funds. So basically what you're saying is diversify your risk between a number of mutual funds because it has a lot of stocks in there and they could balance it out. You might not hit the home run where you're making 40 or 50%, but if you can average six or seven or eight or whatever the case may be, you're in a better spot. Exactly. And with that as a better spot, you have more (laughs) options later on. So you have more equity into your mutual fund. You can actually take that out and invest into other funds or a stock in itself and not risk taking all of your money. I put this into a gambling category. It's like betting on horses. Do you want one horse to win or do you want three of them to somewhat place and make money? I would rather have the money that's consistent with the three horses than one that has a long shot to winning like 500 to one. So that's that's my concept on it. A lot of people might not see it that way, but it is dependent on their situation. Let me ask you this. What age did you retire at? I'm supposed to retire at 69, but I'm shooting for 62. Okay. One of the topics that you said in your books is why millionaires don't play by the rules most people have been taught. They don't. How many millionaires have you seen get a mortgage? Or how many millionaires have you seen actually go out and get a car loan? Or actually go into debt at all? They're taught at a very young age how to be responsible with the money that they have and how to start making that money they have into more money. So those rules and that education is already bestowed upon them by by their parents that went through it or by family members or however they obtain that money or their wealth or from generations past. So the rules they're going by is they already have the knowledge. So they understand the knowledge. They understand the jargon behind it. 
a lot of people that I've talked to is they don't invest in is because they don't have the knowledge of what the terms mean and how to use that knowledge to decipher and apply it into real world experience. Okay. We have about five minutes left. I'd like to talk about how to plan a secure future for oneself and family. So how do you go about doing that? See, each person's specifications or needs are different than another person's. They need to find out what they want their money to do. If they want to, for long-term, they take less risky, a less risky route of investing for later on. If they want money in a shorter term, they will go and diversify into medium accounts. And if they want it short term, they would put it in a little bit higher risk and higher money to allow for a faster return. So they have to have their goal in mind when they're actually setting up what they want their money to do. If they want to leave more for the grandchildren, they will actually put more into lower, um, lower risk funds. So what you're saying is supposed to, a lot of people say, hey, if you got a longer period of time, more risk. But what you're saying is, if you're taking a longer period, of, uh, you have a longer trajectory, meaning you're saving for your grandkids or your kids, because that money is going to them when you walk out on life, take a little less risk, but just keep that engine that, so to speak, could, because if it's getting five or 6%, hey, you're leaving a big nest egg in 15, 20, 30 years. Now, exactly. if it's a shorter period of time, you're saying, hey, have a medium risk. So when we're looking at, say, 10, 12 years, you know what? You're looking at a medium risk. Yeah, you're going to get a higher rate of return than that long term, but you know what? Your time horizon is a little shorter, so you can take on more risk. And then for those people who have a short period of time, you're saying, hey, if you're going to take a shorter period of time to reach your goal, take on more risk. Is that correct? That is correct. But also diversify while you're doing that. Don't put everything in high risk, put a little bit in middle and low risk. So in case that high risk tanks or it goes belly up or something happens to it, you still have some on the bottom and that you can actually reinvest. So what you're saying is let's balance all that out and make sure if you have something that is not correlated to the market. So you know what, that portion really isn't losing any money if the market goes down and you're not taking a big hit over the whole portfolio, just Mm -hmm. over small portions. Exactly. I know we're making this really simple for everybody, but when you talk about diversification, how do you look at diversification, Magnus? It depends on what the user wants. Diversification is you would actually put companies that are been around for a long time that you know aren't going to go anywhere. And then you can also invest in short-term companies that just popped up in, say, the last five years, and nobody really knows what their, what their track record is going to be from 10 years from now. So diversification will entail a little bit of old and new world, if you will, high and low risk. Also, you can also stagger your funds. You can have some funds that have seven companies in it. You can also have funds that have three companies in it. So that the diversification there will ultimately balance more towards you making the money instead of losing money. We have about a minute to go. I'm 58 years old, but like when I was working for another company and not you know my own, I I knew people who basically didn't make a lot of money, but they saved and invested so much every single week. And I'm talking like $150 a week. Right. And basically $150 a week for a period of 30 years at a five or 6% interest rate is over a million dollars. And for somebody, for this couple, they probably made 30 or $40,000 a year. But they save that $150 a week, and that's the amount that always into their brokerage account or their IRA or whatever. And when they retired, 
They had about $1.4 million. Both of their social security more than covered what they were actually earning during their life. And then they had all that money sitting there and they were the simplest people. And basically said, all we did was just put it in there and forget about it, put it in there and forget about it. And I think that's the message that you're doing, although you sound like you're a little more sophisticated when it comes to the stocks. Yes. The book also talks about, there's uh, worksheets that go with it. It'll actually tell you how to make your budget, find your net worth, what you're actually worth right then and here. So you can actually find out where you want to be and where you need to make changes. But also there is an investment tracker. So the person that's actually investing in it, takes accountability of what their stocks are doing. And when people want to see progress, they want to see what's going on with it, how many stocks they have, how long has it been since they've checked their last stocks. They want to see if they can actually make more money with it, or if there's something new out that they can actually take some money out and invest it in something new. So it's a little bit more sophisticated, but it's broken down in the book by chapters on the risks, the fees, the taxes, the the process actually from start to finish on investing and how to actually have an exit plan at the end of it for your specification. That's wonderful, Magnus. I want to thank you for joining us today. And, you know, basically it just means everybody can be in a position where they can retire. Statistics show today that there's about 45% of people out there, they're going to be working for the rest of their life until the day they die. And the reality is you can have a regular nine to five job and put yourself in a position to where you can actually retire. And one of the ways to do it is actually go out and get Magnus's book. The book's called Money for You, Mutual Fund Investing on a Budget for Beginners. You can get it at Amazon. By the way, it's rated four and a half stars, which is outstanding. So Magnus, I want to thank you for joining us. Is there any other places that people can get your book? Uh, yes, Steve. Actually, they can get it up. They can order it on Barnes & Noble as well. Uh, okay. Walmart is carrying it now. There's If you do a search for it, uh, making more money for you and what Magnus Carter, it will show up wherever you can buy books. It's oh. also in an audio form for people on the go. From, That's awesome. Um, so, Audible. so that means people can listen in their car while they're driving along and, and learn how to do things. So Magnus, I want to thank you for joining us. Stay safe, stay healthy, and look forward to seeing you possibly next time, okay? Thank you for having me on the show. You're welcome. Everybody, that was Magnus Carter. You want to stick with us? I'm going to be going through the 2022 financial resolutions. And then we have Albert Rowe, Vice President of Fraud at Vido. With that, stick with us, folks. We're going to be right back. More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on the Saving with Steve show. Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of the Saving with Steve show. We're going to be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're going to talk about money, tax reduction, saving more, spending less, your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving with Steve Show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on The Saving with Steve Show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us, savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. 
It's the Saving with Steve show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Saving with Steve show. My name is Steve Sexton. I really want to thank you for joining us. You know what? We are all about the ins and outs of money. We're going to be talking about 2022 financial resolutions in just a second. I would like to send a shout out to our affiliates at UK Health Radio, BBS Radio, Talk Radio, New York City, E360 TV, all these networks are dedicated to empowering you to solve problems, uplift your spirit, and help you live a life of personal and financial freedom. So if you'd like to follow us on Facebook, it's Saving with Steve Sexton. That's Saving with Steve Sexton. The Insiders Club at savingwithsteve.us. Get all your replays, exclusive access to our videos, guest gifts, and more. Now, let's talk about those 20 22 financial resolutions. Many of us are beginning to think about what we want to accomplish next year and in the long term. For some, it's committing to a healthier diet, getting more exercise, spending more time with family, going on more adventures or saving for adventures or saving for the future. What I'm going to do is just impart some simple strategies to think about for planning for your financial resolution. First of all, save more for retirement. If you're already saving for retirement, Figure out a way to increase that amount you put away each and every year. If you've hit the maximum on your 401k contributions or your IRA, find another place to put some money. And if your company has a 401k, and especially if they match, you want to match at least whatever they match, because otherwise you're throwing away free money. And if you set it up to where it's coming from your checking account to your IRA, your Roth IRA, or your payroll to your 401k, it's almost like a forced savings plan. You're putting a structure around your retirement plan. You can set it and forget it. Consider a Roth IRA. It's a great way to save for those who don't have a 401k or want to add our current savings methods. You're using after-tax dollars, which allows you to put yourself in a position when you withdraw the money to withdraw it tax-free, providing you do it after 59 and a half. Now, if you haven't started, put as much as you can away per pay period and keep increasing that on an annualized basis if you get a bonus or whatever the case is. Next, pay off credit card debt. Your goal should be pay off credit card debt each month. It's because it has the highest interest rates of all consumer debts. Remember, to always pay more than the minimum required, don't take out more debt while you're still paying off your credit cards. If you owe on more than one credit card, pay off the one with the highest interest rate first, then put your money towards the card with the next highest interest rate until you have it paid off. It's called the snowball method. Now, some people don't like the one with the highest balance because it's too big. Find the one with the smallest balance. The key is creating momentum here to pay it off because you got to remember that it's better to earn an interest than pay an interest. Next. 40% of American doesn't have an emergency fund or can't handle an emergency of $400. If you don't have an emergency fund, make a 2022 goal to start a building one. You should aim to have around six months worth of expenses and savings account to get you through some rainy days there. The economy is a lot more precarious than usual right now. So building towards this goal can give you peace of mind if the unexpected happens. Also, if you have an emergency fund, and you're looking for another position or looking to start a business and you're part of that resignation culture, hey, that's fine. But that emergency money will help you get there. Next, review your insurance. Insurance is a large but necessary expense in our lives. 
You have homeowner's insurance, auto insurance, health insurance, life insurance, and you might even have disability insurance. Now is the time to make sure you're not overinsured or underinsured. You can save by bundling your home and auto insurance with one carrier. Is your health insurance the right plan for you based off your age and her current health status? Do you have enough life insurance for your spouse should tragedy strike? So think about this. I had a brother that passed away in March. He was only in his early 50s. But the reality is he had a life insurance policy for his family. So his family, his wife, and his two kids who are in high school are still able to move forward because of that life insurance policy. You need to look at having a life insurance policy if you have a family or a spouse, and you should be looking at replacing 10 years worth of income. What it'll do is it'll enable that spouse to reduce their work if they're taking care of kids, and it will complete your retirement plan if you're not able to complete it yourself. So really think about that when it comes to the insurance. Next, evaluate your income and finances. In addition to saving more and spending less, try to boost your income is also beneficial. Searching for a higher paying job, seeking employment with better benefits, reducing or eliminating commuting costs, moving to an area with lower cost of living can all be substantial. Positive impact on your finances. Look to generate alternative income streams, such as freelance work, side hustles, passive income through rental or dividend and paying stocks to create financial flexibility. One of the biggies is improve your credit score. Check your credit report for errors. Pay bills on time. Keep your credit utilization under 30%. Credit utilization is the amount of debt outstanding on your revolving credit sources like credit cards, home equity lines, as a percentage of your available credit. Also, open up a credit card if you don't have one, but use it wisely. By sticking to this plan, your credit score should improve over time. Last but most important, improve your fitness level. Physical health can lead to financial health. Money and the economy are one of the biggest sources of stress at almost every income level. Making small but effective changes to eating better, cooking at home is healthier and cheaper. Increase exercise, focus on what is important can lead to feeling better and making smarter financial decisions over the long term. The key here, folks, is consistency. By sticking with these seven simple strategies, you should be able to achieve financial success over time. That's it for this segment. Can't wait to the next segment because we're going to talk to Albert Rowe of Onifido, and he's the vice president of fraud because you know what? There's been a big strike in fraud and that spike is increased by almost 60% over the last year. We all want to protect ourselves. Let's figure out what's going on. Stick with us. We're going to be right back with Albert Rowe. More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on the Saving with Steve show. Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of The Saving with Steve Show. We're going to be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're going to talk about money, tax reductions, saving more, spending less your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family 
to tune into the Saving with Steve show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on the Saving with Steve show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us, savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's the Saving with Steve show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton. Hey, welcome back to the Saving with Steve show, where we talk about the ins and outs of money. I also want to thank you all for joining us. As you know, we have over 600,000 listeners here in the United States, another 50,000 listeners overseas. Uh, So, you know, all the replays are available on savingwithsteve.us. If you're enjoying the stories that have helpful information, insights on Saving with Steve, then I encourage you to check us out on Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, so you never miss a show. Also, check out a few of our affiliates at UK Health Radio, BBS Radio, Talk Radio New York City, E360 TV. All these networks are dedicated to empowering you to solve problems, uplift your spirit, and live a life of personal and financial freedom. You can also follow us on Facebook at Saving with Steve Sexton, or go to the savingwithsteve.us for more replays of shows. Our next guest It's very, very interesting. One of the things I just want to put out there right now, and we've seen this in the news. I've actually done news stories for many other stations on this. There's a gigantic warning on online fraud this holiday season. And over the last 12 months, 47% of identity fraud was classified as what's called a sophisticated fraud, which is almost a 60% increase from last year. And one of the things that I thought was interesting in this report is that Many of these fraudsters are bypassing what's called biometrics, and they're just faking documents, and they're giving off those to criminals, selling them and all that stuff. In fact, 90% of ID fraud also involves counterfeit documents that were created from scratch as opposed to just adopting an existing ID. We have Albert Rowe. He's the vice president of public fraud at Umfido. He's here to help us understand what's going on and what's happening and what we can do about it. Albert has a very involved history of working and investigating and fraud and things like that. Albert, one of the first questions I love to ask everybody is, how did you get into this business? (laughs) Yeah, see, uh, that's a great question. So I joined on Fido about a year ago. I spent the last 15 years of my career working in fraud detection. So 10 years at Microsoft working on the Bing search engine fraud detection system. And then four more years at another company still in online advertising, building a fraud detection system, a company called Creative. And now I'm at Onfido working in identity verification. So for the people who don't know actually what Onfido is, I will give you a quick explanation. We're a global identity leader on identity verification. And what we do, we help businesses to onboard new customers in the digital context, like opening a bank account or becoming Uber driver or any other scenarios that requires you to prove who you are. And we provide the technology and services associated to to do that. So now, how did I get into identity verification for detection? It's kind of a long story. Obviously, I have some expertise in fraud because I built those systems at previous companies, Microsoft and Creative, to detect bots and click fraud. But essentially, the story I'm not necessarily putting out there in my LinkedIn is I was a hacker myself in my early days. Okay. Uh, when I was very young, I was around 14, actually. I was part of a piracy hacking group who was pretty famous in Europe. 
That's why I grew up in France, as you can hear from my accent. Small accent, yeah. <laughs> and then we, <laughs> uh, that hasn't gone away. I lived in the United States for 26 years, but essentially what we did, we hacked video games, we resell them on the black market. So I, I did that uh, at the almost professional level uh, for um, five years until I went to university and then I moved on to, to something else. So for me, it was just a fun game, not trying to make money, but just trying to understand how or sophisticated software works, especially for data protection, uh, essentially. So the challenge was, can you be smarter than those companies as a 14-year-old kid? Uh, can you figure out the protection in the video game, essentially? So I doubled into all kind of a fraud, I would say, just for the fun, uh, reverse engineers, um, um, satellite decoding machine, and, and uh, I had some competencies in electronics as well. So that was what brought me back to fraud. But I essentially, the, the first part of my career was totally different. I worked with the U.S. military at my own company, where I was working in nuclear submarines and aircraft carriers, so nothing to do with what I do today. It just happens that this was just a passion of mine to combat fraud, right? It's kind of fun to be on the other side now, trying to protect citizens and companies against fraud, because... I have a good understanding how they operate, essentially. Well, I'm so, just going to say this. We're really glad you went from the dark side to the light side. <laughs> the landscape I'm talking about almost 30 years ago now was mm -hmm. very different. Most people were not into the fraud for the money. They were doing it because they wanted to test themselves. They wanted to test their technical capabilities or their intelligence, right? They wanted to see how they stack up against professional coders. And that was it. The only motivation to make money was really to buy new hardware and new computers. That's, that's all the motivation was. But today we're dealing with a much different type of fraudsters. You're dealing with uh, criminal rings affiliated to something a little bit more sinister, money laundering, drugs, terrorism. Now it's becoming very, very serious. So that's not for the fun of just trying to understand how system works. I would say it's more about making money. And that was a totally different purpose from when I was hacking video games, essentially. Mm -hmm. Just so I mean, we can be real simple for our listeners, what are fraudsters actually doing on a retail online shopping level? And you know what? How do they go about doing it? Because I think everybody would like to understand that. Because a long time ago, I worked for the Automobile Club. And mm -hmm. we had a gentleman named Herman, who was a former FBI person who dealt with fraud and all that kind of stuff. And he was the head of our corporate security. And he was explaining to me one day how money laundering works in which somebody would come in and purchase a bunch of traveler's checks and then destroy them and then ask for replacements. And I go, well, how is that money laundering? He goes, well, you're honest. You don't think that way. <laughs> and then he went and explained to me how it works. And I went, oh my gosh, I never knew that. And then he explained to me a few other things, how people you calling cards that you used to have with numbers to uh, certain types of calls and transfer money and all sorts of stuff. And I'm like, I, you know, my eyeballs just went like this and went, oh my gosh, I can't believe people think that way. He goes, that's just because you don't think that way. Help people understand what's going on and uh, let's go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Great question. So what you have to understand first is the purpose of why the fosters are doing this. So money laundering is one of them, obviously. They have a certain amount of money that they have from drug dealings or any other criminal activities that they need to launder so they can actually leverage that money to buy uh, all the things, right? So today what we saw is, I mean, primarily pre-COVID, most of the fraudsters were really attacking uh, the financial sectors. That's where really the money is. It's still the, it's still, uh, the, the leading, I would say, 
sector of the economy, segment of the economy that is the most attacked uh, by fraud. But what we saw uh, since COVID occurred that uh, retail fraud grew by about 36%. So now it's, it's almost on par with what we saw in, uh, in the financial world. But essentially what those folks are trying to do is, is there a way for them to, um, to uh, uh, extract money uh, from uh, from shady sources, right? So uh, a quick way, for example, on retail. So for bank accounts, it's pretty straightforward. What they need to do is to open a bank account. Uh, either they provide fake documents and fake biometric data to open the account. So they collect information uh, from the dark web, from a data breach, for example. So if they heard uh, like the latest data breach that we had in the United States from T-Mobile that exposed social security numbers, your name, your address, your phone number, all that information is available today on the dark web. And essentially they can collect that information, recreate uh, an identity document because they have all the information that they need. So they have a fake document, like a fake passport or a fake driver license. Uh, and then they will present that information online and create, try to create a bank account, either a bank account or a cryptocurrency account. Mm -hmm. Now, what they, they need to do is to siphon the money that they acquired via different means to, through that account and then connect that uh, new account that they connected from the, that bank account to the other accounts that they have where they can retrieve that money. So generally, that's going to be into countries like maybe Russia or Ukraine or one of those countries where the legislation for uh, Western European countries or United States is, is, not, is not going to reach them easily, right? So... Uh, so that's the main purpose why they want to open those bank accounts. Now, there's a different way to do it, is what you can do is to simply uh, either create an account on Amazon or Walmart, maybe, and then uh, you can buy uh, gift cards. So now you can monetize those gift cards, right? Because regardless of where you are in the world, you can buy something with those gift cards and then maybe sell it to your local market, right? You can sell a TV, you can buy an expensive iPhone these days with a, with a bit crowd. So there's different ways that they can do this. So either their choice is to create an account or simply do, uh, they know that someone has an account and they do what we call an account takeover. And a lot of times people uh, protect their account obviously with a password, but imagine now to reset the password, you have to present a proof of identification. So now you can see the relation why the identity verification is very important. If they can counterfeit your passport and they can mask to some level their biometric uh, data, they can now take over. Or they can even, sometimes it's even simpler than this, they can call a mobile phone operator and say, I'm Albert Rue and uh, I own that phone number and uh, they will try to, of course, bypass either a biometric check or maybe they have already your passwords that they provide to the mobile operator and now they're in control of your phone number. Oh, Once wow. they are in control of your phone number... Albert, hold on right there. We have to take a break. I don't want to take a break, but let, hold on one second. We need to take a break real quick here. Absolutely. Uh, and then we're going to be right back, okay? More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on The Saving with Steve Show. Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of The Saving with Steve Show. We're gonna be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're gonna talk about money, tax reductions, saving more, spending less, your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. 
So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving with Steve Show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on The Saving with Steve Show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us, savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's the Saving with Steve show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton. Hey, welcome back to the Saving with Steve show where we talk about the ins and outs of money. We're talking to Albert Rue. He's a, a vice president of public fraud on FIDO, and he's just dropping some pearls of wisdom here to understand what's going on. I'm actually kind of shocked at what people do and how it actually works. But most of us are oblivious to those things. That's because we're honest people and we don't think that way. So, um, (laughs) Albert, let's continue on the thought that we had there. Um, What are other ways that people go about doing that? So, I mean, the two main ways what they are trying to do is either they create a new account or they take over an existing account, right? So uh, generally, the preference is to take over an existing account because simply the account is seasoned is not uh, under watch from the bank or from the e-commerce company, from the retail company. So every time a new account is created, there's a little bit more scrutiny around this. And so they have to be able to know the password or find a way to reset the password. And generally that requires you to provide a proof of identity or uh, show your biometric data. So either your face or your voice or uh, uh, what we call the OTP verification in our our business. it simply means verifying your phone number, right? For example, you get a text and then you provide, within that text, you get a code. You provide that code back to uh, the e-commerce platforms that you work with or, or your bank, and then you can access your, your account. And essentially, that's really around those three areas that the process try to, to exploit the system. Now, um, now if we if we tie to the business of OnFido, why OnFido is important uh, to, to protect users and, and, and businesses is because we're able to provide a verification of document. So the ID, we're able to determine if the identification of document is legitimate or, or not. And then also we verify uh, the, the biometric uh, data, meaning that we match your face to uh, the, the face shown in, in your document. And, and essentially, fraudsters have to bypass those controls, right? They have to bypass the identity control and then they have to bypass the biometric control. And what we see is on, on, the, on the document side, the way they perpetrate to, to, in order to bypass those controls and open those accounts or take over an account, uh, essentially, they have to create those fake documents. So there's different ways they can go around this. They can buy templates online. You can buy them for about $18 where you can simply uh, use Photoshop and then you print on your on your color printer and you present that document now in front of your camera. And, and today, because of COVID, obviously, uh, the fraudster, a lot of businesses were uh, not necessarily put a big emphasis on security or uh, safety online, uh, didn't adapt quick uh, enough, and they have to put those measures of control in place. So. The fraudsters knew this, and during what we saw during COVID, is now the, the fraud rates have increased quite a bit and are not going back down. It's simply because more people are online, and, and the fraudsters are going to exploit uh, those, those controls, right? Who are not being put in place. So uh, essentially, what they do, they acquire fake documents online or templates, or they take an existing document and they are going to modify it. So 
so you have you're dealing with uh, counterfeit or tempered documents, right? And then also they need to be able to uh, uh, bypass the biometric control. So your face sometimes what we see unfortunately in our production data is they use masks, whether they are 2D or 3D. So some of them are poor quality and we're able to detect those. Some of them are much more advanced and they are like Hollywood level quality masks who cost about $2,000. And those mimic uh, the micro expression of your face, right? Your eyes and, and your mouth. So those are a little bit more uh, complicated to do. But on the document side, for example, we see about 47% of the document fraud is actually now getting sophisticated. So meaning that you're not dealing with your, somebody in a garage or in a basement as a 14-year-old kid, like I did, but you're dealing with uh, a criminal and they are professionals, right? You're, uh, a lot of them are very well educated. So they even now start to exploit what we call synthetic data, meaning that they generate that biometric data using very complex computer algorithms. So right now we sit mostly on, on, uh, on the picture. So we ask them to take, we ask our client to take uh, a selfie, right? Uh, and we start to see those, those type of attack on, on the selfie because it's a 2D picture and they're able to recreate this. Uh, on uh, what we call a video biometric control using a video where we have 600 video challenges for them to do. Uh, this is more complicated because today the algorithms are there, but you need a lot of uh, computing power to do this. So this is not for, for the amateurs. And, and actually we have very good results in terms of uh, uh, biometric detection. So this is very hard even for the sophisticated fosters to bypass. And But what we saw over time is there's a strong correlation between document fraud and biometric fraud, right? So when you have fraud on both ends, usually you're dealing with uh, sophisticated fraudsters, and, and, but there's a strong correlation between the two. So both elements need to be put in place to protect uh, businesses and, and, and users as well, right? Because we are not only protecting or clients, but we're protecting you. When there's an account takeover, uh, if I try to take over Steve's bank account and I put those measures in place, then that's beneficial also to you as a, as a citizen, right? So here's so, a question I have for you. So now we're, those your, your company's doing a lot of things to protect everybody out there. Uh, so what can our listeners do? How can they can help protect their information, their data um, and, all, and, and all that? And like, I just have this one question. My understanding on the dark web, if they can get somebody's identification and all that when they're really young, it's worth a lot of money because mm -hmm. they can, you know, if they if you got a two-year-old, they've got 16, 17, 18 years before anybody's even going to find out. Is that correct? That's, or yeah, that's correct because what they what they are after is what they call the seasoned account, right? The longer the account exists, the less suspicious it will appear to a bank or to an e-commerce platform. So essentially, the sooner they can get your account, even access to your social media account for them is very valuable. Because as, as a measure of, uh, of verification of your identity, sometimes, it's, they, uh, sometimes they will even look up your so, uh, certain fraud vendors look at your social media presence, right? If they know that you exist on maybe Facebook or Instagram, you're dealing with a real person. Because a lot of times those trusts will try to uh, bring what we call synthetic data, so data of a person who does not even exist, and then present it as a real uh, uh, person that exists in the real world. So uh, the interest for them is to take over your account as, as soon as you can. So that's why uh, to protect yourself, essentially uh, my recommendation is number one is 
make sure from all your bank accounts, your any accounts that you have essentially online, make sure that you turn on notification for anything suspicious. Somebody who logged in from a different geolocation than where you are, a different city. Uh, uh, for any bank transaction was uh, above a certain amount, even sometimes a small amount, uh, you need to turn on notification, right? Uh, also, if you have a concern, don't ignore them. Uh, reach out to your bank, call your bank directly. And, and this is worth it because it will help the bank to look at your account, but also for yourself to, to check because sometimes you don't know. I mean, I know a lot of times I have two kids and they are teenagers and I give them my, 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 my credit card and they go shopping at Costco or somewhere else. And, uh, but I don't really know the amount they are spending. So I need to, to double check with them and say, is it you who spend, you know, $20 for a bag of candies, right? But mm. so this is always double check your transaction. Also, when you receive those phone calls, really think about before you give any type of information, even your first name or last name. I always let people talk when they call me first because I don't know who I'm dealing with. Is it a fraudster? Is it somebody trying to fish information from me? So just be very careful. Also online, don't click any links uh, that you receive via email. Even if it says Bank of America wants to uh, confirm something with you, right? So just be very careful. If generally, if they want to confirm something, they will ask you to log into their main website or their app. So just be careful who you're talking with. Don't give any uh, personal information. If you have any doubts, contact your bank or the uh, e-commerce platform you're dealing with directly. And then the last piece in this holiday season, I would say, if you see a deal online that is too good to be true, well, then generally double check the offer, look at the pricing. If you see 70% off on the latest uh, iMac, uh, MacBook Pro, for example, really think about this. Uh, do you think Apple is going to discount this to 70%? So that's my recommendation. I, I think that's a wonderful one because especially this time of year with everybody looking for a deal because everything's gone up, sometimes that oh my gosh, I can get this $1,200 item for 700 bucks or whatever it is. That deal gets the better of people. And the reality is they've just given up their money and possibly their identity. So I thank you for saying that. Um, And you're talking about, uh, you're talking essentially about two-step authentication. So if somebody comes in and does a transaction, there's always some sort of code that you're going to have to put in or they log in and that that type of thing, because that'll protect you as well. Correct. So if you can, whenever you can, make sure that you enable uh, uh, first uh, two-step verification. So generally these days done via a uh, text message, but uh, something a little bit more secure is via uh, biometric verification means, meaning your face or your voice, I would say. Those are efficient way to, to ensure that somebody's not taking over your phone number, which is uh, a type of attack that they do. We call this uh, SIM swapping. So essentially what they do, they will call your uh, your mobile phone provider, they will pretend to be you and say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I would like to port this phone number to, to this account or to the, I have a new phone, I would like to, to port it to that new phone. And then they try to uh, co- uh, collect information about your account. So a lot of time it's just social engineering and they're able to port your phone number to a new SIM card. And that's what we call essentially SIM, SIM card swap. From there, of course, they will ask, they will call you after that and they will say, oh, I'm from the bank XYZ. Uh, I w- I'm with you about to send you a text and just tell me the code that you receive in the text. So when you get that kind of conversation, you think, oh, it's really the bank. And uh, yes, the, the bank is going to send me a text and I have no problem giving them the code. But what you don't know, at the same time they are doing this, they're also calling your bank and say, 
I would like to reset the password on my account. And the bank said, okay, I'm going to send you a verification code and you should get it on your phone. And wow. from there, they will get it. And that's all they are able to get into your account. So essentially, if somebody asks you to provide you the verification code via your phone, never do it. And the reason why you should not do it is precisely to avoid those type of attack. You know what? That's so interesting because, um, um, it, it, how to put it, there's a, um, out where I'm at um, in the San Diego area, there's a CEO here that obviously very, very busy person. And, and somebody said they represent themselves as the IRS. And they just said, hey, look, you know what? We just need to validate your last two numbers of your, your, your account so we can send out this refund. And the next mm-hmm. thing she know, she's she's losing twelve thousand dollars out of a bank account absolutely <laughs> and, and 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 you know what the reality is, is it, I've, I've heard about this from really smart people people that uh one gentleman who is actually in the fbi and he deals with fraud and his wife is it happened to his wife he just it was just i was so busy i got caught up in it so it's just one of those things where people really need to think about what they're doing when somebody like that calls and don't yeah, trust yeah absolutely i mean uh, i'll say even for me sometimes it happened to for me to click on the wrong email I mean, this happens, right? You're busy, uh, you're working, and uh, maybe uh, you have your kids calling you, your wife is calling you, you get that email where it's a very enticing title and you think it's one from your colleague and off you go, you open that email. And sometimes it's just enough for the, the hackers to take control of your computer or, or fish you, right? Fish that, fish, fish that information. So this is possible even for people who work actually even in fraud detection. Uh, mm-hmm. So. Nobody is uh, actually uh, protected from those fraudsters. They are very good at what they do. Re- remember, for them, uh, what we see in terms of a trend is not a nine-to-five job. It used to be prior to 2019, it was maybe only during the week, but now they are full-time. They are working weekends, and uh, they are professional. Remember that. So they do that all day long. Mm-hmm. And they, they know how to convince you to give that personal information. So, again, that, I think that's why it's very important that when you deal with a, a bank and or even an e-commerce platform, is to ensure that those companies have protection in place to protect you. So at the end of the day, that comes down to identity verification, and that needs to be robust. That needs to be done at several layers, document, biometric, uh, the digital information from your phone, or even your IP address. We can help uh, geolocate where you are today. So if I'm Albert True and I'm uh, doing bank transaction in Seattle, Washington, where I'm located, and suddenly Within two hours, I'm suddenly in New York. That's something a little bit suspicious, right? So, yeah. uh, so, so those are kind of things that you really need to also understand when you open an account. Uh, what well, is that company going to take care and protect me? So, uh, essentially, that's what the role of Onfido is to be able to provide that umbrella of protection to to banks, but ultimately to you as well. Albert, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. This has been just wonderful. It's big time eye-opening for everybody that's listening. Hey, if there is a company out there that somebody's listening and said, hey, we could use their help, how do people get a hold of you? Again, this is Albert Rowe. He's the vice president of public fraud for Onfido. How do they get a hold of you, Albert? Quite simple. Uh, they can email me, obviously, uh, at albert.rux at onfido.com. Or they can simply go to our website on fido.com, O-F-I-D-O.com, and then just leave us a message. We're also available on Twitter or any uh, social media platform. Feel free to reach out to me. We'll be happy to help you. Albert, I want to thank you for joining us today. Stay safe, stay healthy. Thank you. Same to you. Bye-bye. Wasn't Albert wonderful? Albert Rowe, he's the vice president of public fraud over on, on Fido. Uh, he's given us some pearls of wisdom. You really want to think about those things and be conscious of that every day and be diligent. So your money, your information 
doesn't get taken by a fraudster. We also had Magnus Carter who talked about making money, especially for beginners. I talked about 2022 financial resolutions. I want to thank you all for joining us today. We'll look forward to seeing you this time next week. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for the Saving with Steve show hosted by Steve Sexton. To learn more about the show and how to become a guest or sponsor, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us. Join us again next time as we continue to talk about everything under the sun that relates to you having a healthier, happier relationship with money. This has been the Saving with Steve show hosted by Steve Sexton.